Our scripture today comes to us from the gospel according to Luke, the 19th chapter, beginning at the first verse. Hear the word of God. Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through it. Uh, A man was there named Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was rich. He was trying to see who Jesus was, but on account of the crowd, he couldn't because he was short in stature. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore tree to see him because he was going to pass that way. When, Zacchaeus came to the, when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down for I must stay at your house today. So he hurried down and was happy to welcome him. And all who saw it began to grumble and said, he has gone to be the guest of one who is a sinner. Zacchaeus stood there and said to the Lord, look, half of my possessions, Lord, I will give to the poor. And if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I will pay back four times as much. Then Jesus said to him, "Ah, today salvation has come to this house. Because he too is a son of Abraham. For the son of man came to seek out and to save the lost. This is the word of the Lord. Let us pray. By your grace and through your mercy, we pray, O Lord, that you will allow these words to come to point to the word just read and to the word made flesh in Jesus the Christ. For we pray this in his name. Amen. David Sharp loved mountain climbing. The 34-year-old Englishman was an engineer by training but became a math teacher so that he could have his summers available to pursue his passion of mountain climbing. He was a simple man who carried in his backpack his two favorite books, the Bible and the paperback edition of the works of Shakespeare. He had climbed many mountains, some of the world's highest. He attempted Everest twice without success, but in May 2006 was successful. He reached the summit, and that is when trouble began. On his way down, his equipment began malfunctioning. His body began to give way to the elements, and he got in trouble. He eventually died just a few feet beneath the summit. Not the first death on Everest, it won't be the last, but the story of David Sharp became international news when it was discovered that as he lay freezing on the mountain, dozens of climbers ascending the summit passed him by. Dozens on their way to the top would not put their goal at risk to help a fellow climber. Not that some didn't stop, some did, but some even offered their oxygen for a little bit, but when it came to choosing between going to the top and stopping to help a dying man, they chose to continue on. The world paid attention to this story when none other than Sir Edmund Hillary, the first ever to reach Everest top, spoke out in shock over what happened. The whole attitude toward climbing Everest has become rather horrifying, he said. People just want to get to the top. Well, some would say that's the point, right, to get to the top. It's mountain climbing. That's what you do. You go to reach the summit. The quickest way is not to stop. If it's 100 degrees below zero and you have just a few hundred more feet, success tells you to keep on going. But, of course, it begs the question, what is success? Human life, said Hillary, is far more important than just getting to the top. 
Perhaps you remember Leo Tolstoy's great short story, Master and Man, where he tells about the rich landowner, Androvich, whose appetite for more and more money and land is insatiable. He hears of a parcel of land available a few towns over and wants to get there before his competitor does, but the weather is bad and getting worse. He's determined, though, to get to this property, so he takes his servant Nikita with him to help him find the way, but the weather gets worse, the snow grows deeper, the wind grows stronger, the two get lost. But instead of turning back, they keep going, but they finally can go no further. Androvich must give up his quest. So he tries to go home by abandoning his servant Nikita, leaving him to fend for himself. But when it proves fruitless, his horse returns him back to his cart where his servant now lies freezing. And then comes the epiphany. He realizes what life is about and opens up his fur coat and lies down upon his servant to keep his servant's body warm. When morning comes, the servant awakes still warm and above him, his master who has died exposed to the elements. Human life is more important than getting to where you're going. Now the irony is not lost on me that I've just told you two stories of people freezing from a part of the world that rarely dips below 32 degrees. Such circumstances may not, we may not be concerned about, but what should be not lost on us is the capacity of the mind and heart of human beings to fixate on where they're going. And along the way, we lay out courses for ourselves. Maybe we did it a long time ago. Maybe we're doing it even now, where the goal is the summit, the goal is the job, the goal is the retirement plan, the goal is the grade point average, the goal is a certain status, the goal is the American dream, and we fixate on where we're going and lose sight of what and who is on the way. Jesus summed it up quite nicely in his story of the Good Samaritan, two holy men, two Presbyterian pastors for that matter, heading down the road to Jericho and see a beaten man and God knows why they don't stop, but they don't. And it has probably something to do with where they're going and how fast they want to get there. Jesus told the story in response to the question about inheriting eternal life that the eternal life, that life that counts, has something to do with one's willingness to change course, to recalibrate the goal, to pause and pull over, to change our minds. That we participate in eternity in that kairos moment, the kairos, the Greek word meaning that time when heaven intercedes, in that kairos moment when we allow the spirit of Christ, the kingdom of God, to mess with our itineraries. So Luke tells us the story of Jesus on his way to Jerusalem, passing through, as it were, Jericho. Jesus is on his way to having his whole life interrupted by heaven. He's on his way to go to the cross, what will be, as we call it, the tree of Calvary. And on his way to his own tree, where his life will be sacrificed, Jesus passes by another tree where he finds Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus has gotten himself up a tree. First, as Luke tells us, because he was short of stature and was curious to see this rabbi passing through town. But, but Zacchaeus has gotten himself up 
another tree, right? Because of the course he's chosen. Somewhere along the way, Zacchaeus decided that the way to the top of the mountain was upon a certain income stream, and that certain income stream came most readily to him through the less than reputable profession of being a tax collector, which back then were those folks who were agents of the Roman government and extorted from their fellow Jews money for Rome and money for themselves. Amazing what you have to do, I suppose, to get to where you're going. Up such a tree was Zacchaeus. And Jesus, on his way to his own tree, says to Zacchaeus, hey, Zacchaeus, time to come down. Time to come down from that tree. Let's have a talk. Now, therein lies the crux of the story, crux from the Latin, which means cross. Here comes the crux of the story. Zacchaeus has to decide, you talking to me? You talking to me? Zacchaeus has to decide whether he's going to come down and have lunch with Jesus, come down and leave himself vulnerable to a change of itinerary, a new direction, a, a recalibrated goal, or, or does he stay up in the branches holding on to the limbs of his made up mind? Because that's what Jesus is there to do, right? To give give Zacchaeus a little taste of eternity. He's inviting Zacchaeus to take up his own cross, to give up the life he's already charted for himself and to choose a new life. That's really always the question before us. We who would claim to be on some sort of spiritual journey, are we open to choosing a new path? Are we open to a new direction? Are we open to a new set of priorities? Are we open to a recalibrated goal? Or did we somewhere along the way Make up our minds. It's a curious phrase, isn't it? I've made up my mind. And what did we make it up from? What did Zacchaeus make his mind up from? His financial advisor, his Roman friends, his college professor, his challenging childhood. What do people make up their minds from. It's really the crux, isn't it, to the story when we visit that question? And when we hear Jesus say to us, hey, hey, Bill, hey, Lauren, come on down from that tree. Let go of those limbs of your made-up mind. So this rich chief tax collector who's got a lot of limbs to let go of drops down out of his tree, walks with Jesus to his house and gives himself up to his own come to Jesus meeting. Luke doesn't tell us what was said inside those four walls, maybe not much at all. Maybe Jesus just asked, how does it feel to be on top of the mountain? And who did you pass? on the way up. It may explain what happens next when Zacchaeus announces his new itinerary to give half of his savings to the poor and four times reparations for those he cheated. Lots of limbs he let go of. Frank Bruni, professor at Duke University, 
in his most recent book, The Beauty of Dusk, in which he reflects upon his experience of suddenly losing a portion of his vision, literally overnight, tells the story of Cyrus Habib. Cyrus Habib, whose family immigrated to America from Iran, was struck blind at the age of eight from a rare cancer. A blind Iranian boy, not the best place to start in America. His new reality forced the young boy to choose a new path, set a new direction for himself that resulted in graduating summa cum laude from Columbia University and doing graduate work at Oxford. But that wasn't his first and his last change of direction. At Oxford, Habib opened himself up to the teaching of Christian friends and scholars and changed his mind and converted to Christianity. He majored in literature, but then changed his mind again because he felt a calling to go into politics, became a lieutenant governor to serve the state of Washington at the age of 35. The political world wondered how far will this man go? How high up the mountain will he climb? Will it be the governorship? Will it be the presidency? So it came as a surprise when he informed the political world that he was leaving the lieutenant governorship and pursuing the call to become a Jesuit priest to come down from his tree and choose a new path. Over the last couple of years, he said, I felt a calling to dedicate my life in a more direct and personal way to serving the marginalized, empowering the vulnerable, healing those who suffer from spiritual wounds and accompanying those discerning their own futures. I've come to believe that the best way to deepen my commitment to social justice is to reduce the complexity in my own life and dedicated to serving others. No telling what a changed mind can do. On this Reformation Sunday, we remember a German monk from 500 years ago who opened his Bible and read something that had always been there. But it came as something new about God and God's church and it changed his mind into a new way of thinking and Martin Luther jumped down from his tree and spurred one of the greatest spiritual movements in church history. Malcolm Muggridge, the famed British journalist and satirist, who, as Kathy Schiffer describes him, had a reputation as a womanizer and compulsive groper, lived much of his life as an avowed atheist. He likened his attitude toward faith as a gargoyle on top of a cathedral, looking down and grinning and laughing at the absurd behavior, the vain strivings of people of faith. His journalistic curiosity took him in search of Mother Teresa in Calcutta, and there the limbs of his tree shook. He watched closely as the modern saint gave her life over to the poor and witnessed for the first time what he considered the real deal. Wrote Muggridge, Mother Teresa is in herself a living conversion. It is impossible to be with her, to listen to her, to observe what she's doing and how she's doing it without being in some degree converted yourself. Her total devotion to Christ, her conviction that everyone must be treated, helped, and loved as if he were Christ himself, her simple life lived according to the gospel, and her joy in receiving the sacraments, none of this can be ignored. There is no book I've read, no speech I've heard, no divine service I've attended, no human relationship or transcendental experience that has brought me closer to Christ or made me more aware of what the incarnation means and what is demanded of us. So the cynic and satirist came down from his tree 
and unmade his mind and turned into one of the 20th century's most thoughtful interpreters of the faith. C.S. Lewis, another one of those converted Oxford scholars, said, we are like eggs at present, and you cannot go on indefinitely just being an ordinary, decent egg. We must be hatched or go bad. We must be hatched or go bad. And that's always the church choice before us, right? For a made-up mind just gets bad. A little moldy, a little spoiled. And who wants to end up that way? So the rabbi has come to town, and under our tree he walks, seeing us cling to our limbs, knowing that in the words of W.H. Auden, we would rather be ruined than changed. We would rather die in our dread than climb the cross of a moment and let our illusions die. Zacchaeus, hurry and come down. Bill, Lauren, Sally, Tony, Martha, hurry and come down. For I am staying at your house today. This is the crux of the moment. Are you talking to me?